Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacey Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. It's kind of an interesting thing today where uh, you, you can kind of feel almost like, uh, you know, there's like an ant pile and like, you know, a kid will put his foot there and the, kid, the ants just kind of redirect their path and they just kind of keep working, but they're not really aware of the person's yep. foot or, you know, the obstruction. Like, I don't know why all of a sudden now we got to go over here and around and there's there's things that affect your life where there's media and social media and food and the way you're buying things and technology and the schools like everything seems the deck of cards are being shuffled by somebody mysteriously but you don't really know where these hands are coming from who is shuffling it's the true. deck of of our lives and it, it seems a little bit invisible and every once in a while a name will kind of creep out and you're like oh that guy and and it but like how how did mm-hmm. what what does he have to do with with farming is this guy was a computer, you know, it's like, how does all that tie together? Well, luckily there's somebody who, who has done like 10,000 hours of research into this topic and like, Hey, this is who is puppeting, you know, everything in your life. And these people are called control oligarchs. You've heard the term oligarch. Well, people who want to control everything in your life are called control mm-hmm. oligarchs. And luckily, um, Somebody wrote a book about it. He's the director of research at the Government Accountability Institute. And I am so excited to dive in uh, to today's topics. Mr. Seamus Bruner. Yay! Welcome. Wow, you guys are great. It's so good to be here. Oh, We're it, really looking forward to this, Seamus. Thank it, you so much for your time. It is set, it's such an honor to, to have have you on. I will kind of drop a little, little bit of, of background here. Since 2011, you've been working with, with Peter Schweitzer with, and the, the Government Accountability Institute. Um, we're going to get into this book, which is sort of the, the you know, cause and effect, like what you do daily, like is the manifestation of those revelations creates the book. But talk about what you guys do there and what's it like working with Peter Schweitzer, for those who don't know, the author of like Clinton Cash, everything that's been this revelatory bomb drop of truth. You're like, we know who all the bad guys are. Now here, go do something about it. Like, you know, he does all this this work. What's it, what's it, what's it like working there and 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 working with Peter? And what exactly do you guys do? Well, it's pretty surreal. I mean, you wouldn't really, you know, people think that we have this, you know, large operation and all these employees. I mean, Bloomberg News did a piece a while back around the Clinton Cash time and they talked about some matrix machine and mining the dark web. It's not really that at all. Um, don't tell anybody, but <laughs> a couple of us here with Peter Schweitzer. Um, we just got this beautiful studio set up, uh, but there's probably five, maybe 10 researchers. I mean, some, some are, uh, part-time or some, some work remote and we follow the money. So, uh, it's a pretty simple motto. It's a, it's a great model for exposing corruption. Um, because so many journalists today don't follow the money. They kind of just do the hot take. Yeah. They read someone else's story. They regurgitate some of the story. And I mean, there's, there's still some good journalists out there. But following the money takes time. Um, most journalists don't have time. Uh, they've got to do it. They've, they've got a deadline. They've got to do a story today, tomorrow, and the next day. Mm-hmm. And you can't really dig in and like, kind of go underground and go down the rabbit holes and pull out um, all the revelations or, or piece them together like in, uh, this book does. Um, so it's, it's surreal in a sense because, you know, Peter Schweitzer is just right over there and, uh, you can go <laughs> talk to him and, uh, pick his brain and, and he's such a wise and, you know, just experienced guy. It's wonderful. Well, he's one of these guys that makes things really clear. Like, you know, if you just read one quote from Thomas soul, you're like, Oh, that's the heart of this whole issue. Like he yep. just has a way of doing that with such wisdom. I, I remember maybe it was like 20, 
15 or so, something like that. I saw him on an interview, I think with Sean Hannity. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, this guy saying everything I wish I was smart enough to say, mm. you know, on every topic, just so clear. And he gets to the truth in a non-emotional, not bombastic. He's like, well, two plus two is four. And that's what it came to. You're like, who can argue with that? You know, just right there. <laughs> but it is that premise of following the money. Most evildoers in the world aren't doing it for free. Right. They're not volunteers. It's not like the Red Cross. No. They're out trying to take over the world because it's a hobby. Like uh, the, Most of the actions are motivated by wealth, which gives power. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so uh, for this book, we followed the money all the way to the top. I mean, we typically go after the politicians um, who are you know, selling out the country either to foreign interests or special interests, um, getting rich on the the public dole. And uh, for this one, it was really driven by the pandemic. It was like you saw, you saw during the pandemic that there were these elite forces um, above the politicians, you know, people like Bill Gates authoring the global health policy for not just America, but all around the world. And, um, you know, that really solidified some, you know, some theories that you, you have over time where it's like, you know, the politicians sort of just feel like this like professional wrestling uh, WWE type thing where, you know, they, they beat each other up in front of the cameras, but they're really throwing back cocktails uh, at brunch when they should mm. be working. Um, and, and that is true. That's what they do. But uh, so, so, yeah, they followed the money to the, the top, to the billionaires. I mean, I basically took the uh, I mean, starting with a guy like Bill Gates. Of course, you got to throw George Soros in there. Um, and then the, the big tech guys, I mean, just go down the list of like the most they, they all kind of doubled up or made significant gains over the course of the pandemic while we were kind of locked down. Our kids were not allowed to go to school. Um, so everybody's fe- you know, feeding on Facebook uh, for a year. And uh, what do you know? Meta's stock price doubles and Mark Zuckerberg doubles his net worth. So the tech guys got added in there. But there's a whole lot more than the five people on the cover. I mean, you've got BlackRock's Larry Fink mm-hmm. is all about the, the money control and Anyway, we can go through them. Laureen Powell Jobs, she's like the new Soros. Um, Steve Jobs' widow of Apple. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's too many of them, but uh, we, we, we covered a good amount. Now, did you coin the term control oligarchs? I did, and there was some debate over whether we should name that, like put that as the book title. Um, the, you know, the publishers are always kind of, uh, they want to be safe. And there were some uh, suggestions like, why don't we call it the philanthropists? That just sounds boring. It does. Contrologarchs is perfect. It is the best title. And the book just recently came out. So let's talk a little bit about that. You can get it at contrologarchsbook.com. Let me spell that for you. It's C-O-N-T-R-O-L-I-G-A-R-C-H-S book.com. So you can get that at contrologarchsbook.com. And Breitbart, talk, talk about that. You're, 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 there, you're top of the pile, man. You are. That's a big deal. You're kind of a big yeah. deal today. Yeah, Breitbart. I mean, we, we uh, so Peter Peter knew Andrew Breitbart, and he wrote for before Breitbart was one uh, one singular website. It had big piece and uh, you know big government and, and different sections, and so big piece was the foreign policy um, sort of crux. The global, you know, the corrupt globalist. So Schweitzer's been on the the globalist beat for a while. Um, and, and that, you know, since then like, he's a senior, uh, I think contributing editor or something. So we've, we've got a good friendship there, but, uh, we love Breitbart and, uh, we're, we're spreading the wealth. We're trying to get it out to more outlets, but Breitbart has uh, been great for us. 
That's huge. Okay, so uh, yesterday, Henry Kissinger died um, at 100. So uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, okay, so what part did he play in this that you could see? I mean, obviously, he had a huge influence on Klaus Schwab um, and the World Economic Forum, but- He's pretty good buddies with Mao, and and he's kind of in favor of this whole CCP track and trace kind of technology, you know, a fan of of more control, not less. Yeah, so, I mean, Kissinger- so much has been written about Kissinger. It's hard, but hard to unearth anything new. But I'm glad you guys know about his role mentoring Klaus Schwab before setting up the World Economic Forum. Uh, you know, what, something that most people haven't heard about is the Kissinger uh, report with the, uh, you know, the talks of how to define a, uh, a population control strategy within the United States. Um, and this was right in line with like organizations like the Club of Rome, the World Economic Forum. They were all set up in this era of overpopulation is going to kill the planet. It sounds a lot like how they talk about climate change now, and there's no, that's not a coincidence. Um, and so Kissinger's like had this report and uh, some of the organizations, he was actually an uh, agent of the Rockefellers before he was the diplomat. He worked for the Rockefeller Brothers Fund, um, Nelson Rockefeller, governor and then vice president. Uh, Nelson Rockefeller actually paid Kissinger while he was advising uh, Richard Nixon, which is a big no-no. You can't just be giving cash gifts to the national security advisor. So he really was um, taking his cues from the Rockefeller Foundation before he was a famous diplomat. And the Rockefeller Foundation was very concerned with overpopulation. For, uh, going back to the 1910s, 1920s, they funded Margaret Singer's Birth Control League, which became Planned Parenthood. Um, you know, Various Rockefeller f- family members were given the Margaret Sanger Award from Planned Parenthood because they have given so much money to Planned Parenthood over the years. I mean, many, many ne- members of the Rockefeller family basically bankrolled Planned Parenthood long before abortion was, you know, uh, legal or, yep. I mean, it, like while it was still taboo. Um, and they actually, and it's all throughout the book, is how they funded uh, this organization called the Hastings Center, which was the world's first premier bioethical institute, which, uh, what is that? It's basically an institute that takes money from uh, control oligarchs to make things ethical. Um, and so it would make uh, selling ab- uh, aborted fetus parts. Oh, that actually is ethical, according to Hastings Center. Um, and uh, euthanasia, they, yeah, that's ethical too. Um, it's, it's pretty sick stuff. Um, and so this Hastings Center, before Roe v. Wade, would put out reports and they make it all, they dress it all up in kind of sciencey terminologies and, oh, yes, it actually is ethical to uh, uh, kill your offspring. And um, there were like long ago, there were racist uh, eugenic type uh, motivations for this population control stuff, cleansing the population of unfit, whether that's uh, mentally, um, you know, not smart enough. I mean, they kind of talk about it with Down syndrome now, which is sick. Like, should, you know, and the Hastings Center, of course, weighs in on whether it's uh, ethical to wow. abort a, a baby if you know that it's going to have <sighs> Down syndrome. Uh, so, so that's what Kissinger is sort of, uh, executing here with his, his Kissinger report, um, that says, uh, things like forced sterilizations is an option. Um, and, and you can see why all of, I mean, especially after, after World War II and the Nazis and their eugenic stuff, the eugenics went all away and now it was just, the earth is going to run out of resources. Um, and, and that lasted for a while, but that's also got some pretty tricky branding. Like you can't be telling all of the population, like, yeah, some of you, like, you know, just shouldn't be here. You got to go away somehow, or you got to kill your children or stop having children. Um, Mass propaganda was one of the things in the Kissinger report about how to slow population growth, you know, telling people that 
you know, you really just shouldn't have kids. It's not for you, which is, I mean, whether you're a Darwinian uh, evolutionary type person or you're a, a Christian, um, it literally is for you. It's for everybody. It's why you're here is mm-hmm. to reproduce. So um, it's, you know, it's taken a lot of propaganda to convince people of my generation and younger that, yeah, maybe you just shouldn't have kids. Um, and they've been wildly successful, by the way. And Bill Gates still talks about overpopulation as a big concern and that we need to keep bringing the numbers down, numbers of births down. But it's like, I think they should probably take a victory lap. Uh, after 60 years, the birth rate is at record historic lows. It's never been lower in the United States. I mean, mm. it's people Most frightfully low in many countries. And, and many and all around the world. So they've mm-hmm. been very successful at that. Um, and so, and that's where Kissinger, I mean, that was what Kissinger was steeped in. And so he, he, he was actually, while working for the Rockefellers, and this is stuff that's not really widely reported, but while he was working for the Rockefellers, he um, was the director of the special studies. Um, and, and you should be very like, cautious when anybody's like, working on special studies for control oligarchs. Um, but the special studies uh, resulted in this book, I mean, 600-page-plus book called The Prospect for America. Um, and The Prospect for America, I mean, it was read by JFK. It was read by world leaders all over. Um, and, and this was the thing that was, you know, led to the Immigration Act that like, you know, and subsequent like opening of borders. Um, they, you know, they, they say it's for what may be cheap labor, but it's starting to seem like there's more than just a commercial element to the uh, mass migrations you're seeing all around the world. Um, and what year so, did that yeah, book come Kissinger, out? You're not, not a very good dude. I mean, he's a complicated guy. A lot of people revere him. Um, and you know, he's, he did, he certainly did good things. So I don't want to just caricature him, but. Sure. So that book came out, it looks like, uh, uh, the producer Colton highlighted it in 1961. That's when prospect for America came out, huh? Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Okay. Let's, let's, let's talk about this idea of if you're going to go back through history, there would be like maybe a, a, an Egypt had Pharaoh, but there weren't like 20 other guys walking around that had greater wealth than Pharaoh. You know, um, it, 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 there's never been a moment that I'm aware of, and maybe you can you can in, enlighten me where where there's just individuals that have the kind of wealth that's greater than many nations, and and the ability to flex, grab a hold of political leaders and control them as puppets to even move nations at their will, and um, oddly enough, you have a nation like the United States that even helps fund the world economic forum. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're the richest guys in the world all fly jets to a place and get together to, to, to meet about how to control all of us. And we help pay for it with our taxes. So you wouldn't think they would need our money. Yeah. You think they would, they could, they could put together a party on their own. Um, how unique is this in human history where you have that number of individuals that have more wealth, power, and influence than Kings and nations? No, I mean, Certainly not. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, it, and just adding in the tech elements here. That, I mean, obviously, we're in t- totally uncharted territories. Um, and with the World Economic Forum, I mean, just the top, uh, you know, 25 members. I mean, I you know went through and added all the mar- added up all the market caps of all of the World Economic Forum uh, partners and members, and it's like well, I mean, well over 25 trillion dollars, which wow. tops every GDP of every nation in the world, including ours and including China. So. They have more, they're sitting on more cash than like we have as a country and somehow we're still paying for it. And so, and even more infuriating than the fact that we pay like money to the world economic forum, uh, what are they doing at the world economic forum? 
they're talking about saving the planet. What is and guess how expensive that is? It's trillions and trillions of dollars. Who's going to pay for that? You are. And, and controlling us when with this whole tagline of that we'll own nothing and be happy. Right. I mean, it's it's so in your face. I mean, that the article about you will own nothing and be happy, which they talk about. Like, they're trying to persuade you that it's a great idea that like you'll just be a rent slave for the rest of your life. You'll you'll rent your house and you'll rent your car and you'll even rent your outfits. You won't get to own anything and you'll just love it. Um, I don't think people are loving it. You see videos all the time. I mean, it's kind of tragic, like more and more. I mean, I'm sure that's the algorithm feeding them to me, but the number of people just kind of crying in their cars saying, I can't afford Mm -hmm. rent anymore and I can't afford insurance. And like, how am I supposed to pay for this? I've got to get a second job. I got to get a third job. Man, it's so true. Okay, let's go. Let's go to. Let's talk about Bill Gates. That was one of your first ones. He's on the cover of uh, Control of Garks. Um, you were talking about Kissinger. You were talking about Planned Parenthood. Um, the connection between Bill Gates and Planned Parenthood wasn't his dad a pretty significant part of Planned Parenthood as well? Sure. And just uh, just to finish up on Kissinger, the point with Kissinger uh, and and just that early like ancient history in a way is a lot of people ask me. Like, are these guys really getting together and plotting? And I know your your listeners are savvy and you guys are savvy that like, yeah, of course they are getting together. But like there are uh, dark smoke filled back rooms where they are <laughs> plotting out the future 50 years in advance. Um, and Kissinger is like the, you know, the prototype godfather of this, uh, co- you know, globalist control oligarch type or like organizations like the United Nations. He talks about it in that prospect for America, how how great the United Nations is for for bringing all of the people together for solving global problems. He's like, we're in an era, era of global crises. And so that comes right through to Bill Gates. I mean, that that's what drives these guys is, uh, I mean, not solving the actual global problems, but that's what they claim their motive is. It's like, why do we need to get together? Because all of these problems are global. And so therefore the United States doesn't really matter anymore. Um, and globalism is all about transferring power and control away from nations uh, and two centralized organizations, supranational organizations like the World Economic Forum. So yeah, with Bill Gates' father, he was uh, the director at uh, Planned Parenthood. Going back to this time that I'm talking about with like the Kissinger report, I mean, there was this uh, Planned Parenthood memo while Bill Gates' father was a director um, called the Jaffe memo. I don't know if you have you guys covered the the Jaffe memo. This this thing is no. really sick, and it's two. It's like from this Frederick Jaffe who works for. Uh, Planned Parenthood's, you know, population division back in the 60s, where, and this is kind of the stuff that Bill Gates Sr., I mean, Bill, uh, Bill Gates, we know, the, you know, the Microsoft guy, he's in his teens, um, so, you know, he's a kid when a lot of this stuff is happening, um, but his father, um, and that's kind of what the book lays out, is that his father really steered all of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation operations, and they were all about, you know, overpopulation. I mean, it's really counter to how they plan to uh, save all these lives, but at the same time deal with overpopulation. So um, this Jaffe memo uh, from Planned Parenthood to the Rockefeller Foundation's Population Council uh, Director Bernard Barrelson, it lays out all of these ways that they plan on uh, like reducing the population, and it's like really sinister stuff. I mean, promote uh, or encourage increased homosexuality is on that. This is in the late 1960s. Um, wow. And when homosexuality, still, you know, and LGBTQ stuff is uh, pretty taboo. Um, and so there is a concerted effort to do that. I mean, I, some of the things, some of the proposals, it was a proposal, so I want to be clear about that, but you really ought to go read it, page nine. Um, it's, it's cited in the book. You can probably Google it. 
um, J-A-F-F-E, uh, and I don't know if you guys pull up documents, but page nine, uh, you know, putting fertility control agents in the water supply is something that they seriously suggested. Um, there were two, two words, just two words under uh, the economic factors that could bring down population growth, chronic depression. Wow. <laughs> so, Wow. Yeah, they said, like, if you don't have money, encouraging women into the workforce is, a, is a, a, one of the ways they proposed to, because when women are working, you know, they don't have time to have kids. Yep. Um, and so you, you kind of have seen a lot of the things play out. Now, I don't know anything about fertility control agents in the water supply, but it was on this document. Um, and you know, it was on the table, something they would consider. Yeah. <laughs> something they would consider. I mean, they the Rockefellers and a lot of these other groups have funded a, a anti-fertility vaccine. Um, you know, I, I think they tried it out in India to, and it wasn't, it wasn't good, but anyhow, uh, getting back to Bill Gates. So Bill Gates mother, uh, like implored him and pleaded with him to give away some of his money. He was, you know, racking up billions and billions of dollars. He became the world's richest man off of Microsoft. He was the richest man for 20 of the last 30 years. Um, and she, and Mary Maxwell Gates, she passed away in the mid 1990s, but right till her deathbed, she was asking Bill Gates to be more charitable. So he his his identity of like this great philanthropist is totally new in the grand scheme of everything. And so what happened in the 90s? The DOJ, the Justice, the Clinton Justice Department, um, started investigating Microsoft for antitrust. And uh, the book talks about how, uh, by the way, the Rockefeller and uh, the Standard Oil is like the prototype, um, and Bill Gates followed right in their footsteps when the DOJ sought to break up Standard Oil back in the early 1900s, that's when the Rockefellers set up their charitable foundation. They didn't have this big charity that you know today. And and so it transformed both the Rockefellers and Bill Gates kind of overnight, but certainly over a couple of years to like this great philanthropist. Oh my gosh, he's saving all of the world's problems. And the antitrust suit went away. But we went went through all the old antitrust documents and actually uncovered this uh, strategy that Microsoft had used called Embrace, Extend, Extinguish. Yes. They also called it the Embrace, Extend, Exterminate strategy, which sounds a little more sinister. Um, But those are both the terms that Microsoft executives used. Um, And you see that Bill Gates using that. Not, I mean, you know, I've talked about it on some other interviews with the Foos, but he's also done it with with global health, where he's now kind of become the dominating force in public health worldwide. And you I mean, everybody saw that during the pandemic. You're like, what the heck is Bill Gates doing on my TV telling me I have to stay in my home until I get a vaccine that doesn't even exist yet? Yes, right, so exactly Break down right. that process, the, the, how they would go in, use it in technology, what they did with Microsoft, and then how that is like an overlay to use over and over and over. Exactly what is that strategy? Because I think when people hear that, they're like, oh, mm-hmm. that's how he could just bada boom, bada bing, transfer and be in farming. Bada boom, bada bing. He could transfer into vaccines, but it's it, it's a template of of activity. So talk about how it was first. How they did it in technology, and then how he's now replicating that fast because they have it down like like expanding new new uh, you know uh, Chipotle franchises or something. It's uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so the embrace, extend, extinguish strategy worked like this. Microsoft would get into a new sector in computing, um, the internet browser industry was the one specifically cited by the Justice Department in a lot of the emails where they talk about they're going to, quote, cut off the air supply, end quote, to Netscape, the competitor browser. And so 
uh, they would set up Internet Explorer and just say, oh, look at this great new product we've got. You know, it's your choice. You don't have to use it if you don't want to. And that was the uh, embrace. They would embrace the uh, industry standards of the time and, and um, act like they weren't making any waves. Then they would extend their reach um, of their Internet Explorer browser, put it on every single computer um, so that it was like a you know mandatory software came with the machines. I mean, you see a lot of software now that you can't remove on some things. Um, and then, so, and that's the uh, extend phase. Uh, and then the extinguish phase is where they would uh, make changes and push for changes to things like HTML and, and things that are kind of highly technical that would make it very hard for Netscape to compute, uh, to, to work. So like your Netscape browser won't play the videos, but the Internet Explorer browser will. And now no one wants to use Netscape. And so that's what he's doing. I mean, mm -hmm. the farming example is such a great example because it's just so obvious. Uh, he enters into the aggregate, not just the agriculture, like buying up the land. Everybody's kind of heard about he's buying the land. He's not just buying the land. He's also uh, buying the companies or investing heavily in the companies um, in every part of the agriculture and food production uh, cycle. So like the fertilizers, for example, he's invested in like these ginkgo bio works and, and join uh, bio kind of like you look at them and it's like GMO fertilizers and it's like, oh, the plants are self-fertilizing and and, and GMO seeds, and uh, so that he's big into fertilizer stuff. That's kind of you know, unless you're a farmer, you won't really understand. Um, but then also with the meats, he's buying into. Or the, I mean, I shouldn't call them meats; they're not meats. They're exactly called, the euf the euphemism is alternative proteins. Um, this is like lab-grown, cultured cells. You know, gray meats, so they have to put hemoglobin uh, type things into it. To, and they're like, oh, it really bleeds just like a real hamburger. You're like, gross. <laughs> It's, um, it's disgusting. Did you so, hear? Did you hear that in Italy they've actually outlawed it? Yes, yes, and Florida's working to to ban it too. Right? That's fantastic. That's good. So, That's, so me, but, but, you know, it's hard to it's hard to think like an oligarch when you're a typical, you know, like us. We live in Missouri, and I'm concerned with stuff like the cost of gas in my car. You know, mm -hmm. like so it's hard to, but you know. Let's say there's little kids in my neighborhood with a lemonade stand, but I also own a ice cube purification technology that's you, you know, so so I might go and put up a stand across the other corner from little kids that are selling lemonade for a dollar a cup, and I sell it for ten cents a cup or free, and I do it until eventually I bleed them down to where they can't compete, and then I then I, I get with the the HOA and this and I'm like hey they should not be selling lemonade without the proper purification technique in their ice cubes. And they're like, yeah, that, that makes sense. We don't want Im impure ice cubes. Well, where do you get that? <laughs> well, I just happen to sell it from from <laughs> from the David Whited ice cube factory is the only place that can sell the ice cubes. And so now there's a new certification that if you sell lemonade in our neighborhood, it has to go through this ice cube purification process. And, the, and and so they can buy the ice cubes from me, or they could invent their own, which would cost them, you know, more than they'll ever make in their lifetime selling lemonade uh, at that intersection. And eventually. I'm the only person selling lemonade in uh, the whole development. Is it is it that kind of a model, but scaled up and everywhere? I mean, most people could afford like, okay, I guess I could I could afford to have a lemonade stand and lose money longer than these little kids could. Mm -hmm. So you know, they like it's that kind of a wealth gap. Like I, I make more than most ten year olds in my neighborhood, so I could probably dominate that market, especially if on the side. My real business was ice cube purification. And and then I, 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 I kind of manipulate the HOA because the kids don't even know when the HOA meets. And I could buy the HOA pizza and they all kind of side with me. I'm the good guy and everybody wants purified ice cubes. Who wouldn't want that? I mean, that's a great thing. It's great marketing. I brand it. I dominate. No more little kids 
suck it, little kids. I own everything. I'm the controller gark of our of our lemonade business in this area. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, you'd be a great control guard. That sounds exactly right. <laughs> I'm gonna borrow. I'm gonna borrow that because that uh, that that makes sense. You you very much simplified it. Um, we're in the extinguish phase now for the farmers, where uh, the Dutch farmers. I mean, this is happening worldwide, where all of the standards. Uh, it's climate change are are the standards that are going to extinguish the farmers. You ask any farmer, um, you know, whether it's the emissions restrictions and like uh, the fertilizer restrictions. It hasn't hit the U.S. like it has other countries yet. But it's coming. They're pushing through the laws for methane restrictions. They want to. They do want to ban cows. I mean, we're obviously not going to put up with that. But it, it will become uh, much more expensive. And Bill Gates calls this. By the way, he's got a nice little term for it. It's called the green premium. And he said, talks about it like it's such a happy little thing. Oh well, you're just paying a green premium where your steak is doubled in price because the regulations have made it so much harder. The farmers can't survive unless they jack up the prices. Um, and so now everything that you like costs more, and that's the green premium, uh, so that eventually the the fake meat stuff, or you know, it will be much, it will be more affordable, and you'll say, well, it's not that bad, it's not that different buying the pat- <clears throat> the patented, uh, you know, fake meats mm-hmm. or uh, you know various other alternative protein sources. Man, that is crazy. Okay, so green premium, there it is. We right talked, yeah, we talked about Bill Gates. Um, our audience knows quite a bit about the World Economic Forum and what's going on with Klaus Schwab. Soros, he's kind of got his hands in everything, kind of no social media stuff. Who are some people that we may not know that are control oligarchs that are kind of behind the scenes? Yeah, so uh, Lorene Powell Jobs is certainly someone you want to keep your eye on. Um, she is radical and she is like, the you know, she is funding um, all of these uh, disinformation type, you know, so-called disinformation type uh, initiatives and, and media uh, integrity and trust and safety. You know, they use all of these terms like, oh, I'm for trust and safety. Uh, <laughs> no, that means censorship and propaganda. And so she, you know, she has this Emerson Collective, which she's poured billions of, you know, Apple money. It came from Steve Jobs. She's the widow of Steve Jobs. And, uh, She's pouring all of the money into these kind of media initiatives. She owns the Atlantic. I mean, just go check the Atlantic. Uh, whatever the story is today, I guarantee you, it's uh, you know the opposite is true of whatever their headline says. Um, but the Atlantic is like one of these uh, outlets that, like, even the New York Times gets its marching orders from. Wow. And uh, so wow. It, it sort of sets the total. Like, I mean, what you you should read, you honestly should read the Atlantic to um, understand what's coming and like what you'll then. Uh, MSNBC will be talking about it three days later, and then a week later is what like you know the government will be doing what the Atlantic suggested they should do. So wow. it's, you can kind of see like what the like the playbook is, but it is it's very hard to read. You can almost well, seem prophetic I mean, if you read it, huh? Okay, so we do this right. a lot. You know, we talk to a lot of people, uh, do a lot of interviews, and I've never heard anybody bring her up. So it's really interesting, and she's just kind of laying low. And Steve Jobs yeah, kind of has a cool vibe. You oh, know, yeah. he, he's kind of like, hey, he brought my iPhone. He's, you know, he had his like, you know, nerd conference once a year in his turtleneck, and he was kind of cool. You know, uh, when he come on stage and talk about the new iPhone, everybody kind of likes Steve Jobs. That a favorable movie about him. It's kind of, you know, he seems like this genius, is sort of because he got knocked down and then came back better. So it's kind of you like him. So maybe she's kind of just drafting off of that goodwill. Totally, and uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Steve Jobs. Yeah. He wasn't he wasn't pouring money into he was he, I wouldn't have called him a control oligarch. Um, he was very critical of Bill Gates and Bill Gates's yeah. uh, control freak like tendencies and whatnot. So, um, 
But uh, another guy would be like Mark Benioff. He's in the book. He's funding a lot of these because uh, information control is like one of the most important, you know, the chapter on information control. And that's really mainstream media and big tech. Um, that's like, I mean, that's one of the, the biggest, most threatening controls, because if you can't talk about what's happening, then you're, you're kind of it's, it's over. Um, so we've got to get the word out is like, I mean, there, you can see the crackdowns coming. I mean, like 2020 was nothing. COVID was nothing. They want to, uh, criminalize hate speech. They want to lock you up. I mean, you just look at what's so-called hate speech. I mean, you can't even define it. I mean, who gets to determine and define hate speech? Um, and so look, look at what's happening in Ireland right now. I mean, protesters, they're saying that they should be thrown in jail for saying that, uh, Irish lives matter. Um, it's, it's crazy. So talk about kill uh, switches on cars, that kind of control, because when you talk about social media, there is a unique connection between, you know, a lot of people probably watching this have, have been put in Facebook jail because they were naughty, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, we had Facebook locked up for a while, a couple of years ago, because it was a cartoon of Obama talking to Jesus and it was a cartoon and it was like, that's fake information. And you're like, it's a cartoon, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's a joke. It's meant to be a joke. The guy in jail, Mackie, yeah. yes. for a meme. I mean, for a meme, yep. it's like that. That's it's, where we are. It's yeah. no joke. It's where we are. And, um, and so it's and, fa- and, and where we're going is even scarier in terms of with the, with the AI and like what I mean, like, the you know, what's happening with the AI. I mean, it's kind of exciting or whatever. I mean, you kind of see these videos you're like, wow, that is so cool. Or maybe AI is even helping you in your job right now writing you know, the description of products or something. And it's, and that's all great. Um, and you may think that it's not coming from me. I mean, Microsoft just published a piece. Microsoft's by behind chat GPT, by the way. Um, and Bill Gates is behind all of that. Um, but they just published a piece, uh, the other day about how like radiologists, like, you know, no need for radiologists anymore. The, you know, the AI can actually identify medical problems better. So, I, you know, I know some, I have some doctor friends who are like, Oh, well, there's no way that AI could ever take my job. And it's like and a lot of people hope, like are kind mm-hmm. of hoping that no, it's like it's here. It's right now. It's part of like why you're going to see more videos of people in their cars crying about and it's you know the tragic videos how they can't afford anything and they lost their job, um, and and what that like why that is such a threat like what comes after that, um, and you listen to Chat GPT maker Sam Altman, the Open AI yeah. uh, CEO, he he says that I mean job losses are coming, but don't worry. Uh, universal basic income will like, you know, our big tech companies are going to make so much money from uh, AI that we're going to be able to give you some crumbs. And so he, he, he calculated for all 250 million adults in America uh, or, or, you know, adults and young people, uh, there, there will be a nice stipend of $13,500. I'm like, that's surely that's a month, right? No, that's per year, $13,500 per year, universal basic income. And then you can, I mean, this, this stuff going on in Ireland right now is a really, it's a glimpse into the future of what's coming because the lawmakers are saying that the protesters should, re, uh, they shouldn't get their UBI. I mean, they've got this welfare state over in Europe with like, you know, sort of universal basic income stuff. Once you uh, start, like once you start getting that and you incorporate government funding, you're dependent, of course, conservatives know this, but um, it'll happen. And once you don't have a job, you're like, well, I guess I have to take the, mm-hmm. the dependency money. Well, now they like the protest, the protesters in Ireland, the lawmakers want to uh, withhold their UBI. I mean, we're headed into winter. They want to starve and freeze the protesters. Yeah. Would you say it's accurate to say they want to turn all grown adults into 16 year olds that are living with their parents? Uh, you, 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 you got to go to your room. You can't go out this weekend. If you, if you were bad, if you didn't do the right thing, like they can control every area of your life because 
a 16 year old, while smart enough and can communicate probably as well as their parents, they don't have the resources to flex or to push back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I'll take yeah, the keys. You're boring yeah, my car. I'll take my keys. Yeah. Like, like the kids don't have everything that, that they need to survive autonomously. And so like the parents can control them. Talk about kill switches on cars. Cause these things turn it kind of turn. You talk about the income and then you can't, you're not mobile. Turn everybody into a 16 year old. Uh, that maybe you can rant and rave, you can be mad, you can talk to your friends how how wrong and unjust it is, but they have all the power. Yeah, completely, they have all the power, and I mean, you just like look at look at um, you know, like you you see you we saw it through the pandemic, so I I thought you know maybe some of this a lot of this stuff might be conspiracy theory. That's why I I wrote the book is like you know is digital ID and CBDC like is there anything really to that? And there absolutely is, and we all experienced it. Uh, I mean, at least many of us across the country in some form or another. Um, not being able to go into a business if you didn't have your vaccine, mm-hmm. uh, you know, certification card, sure. um, you like you weren't allowed to do it. That we saw the uh, the truckers in Canada um, lost their money, like their money got, you know, their for, their assets got frozen for being protesters. Um, you see that, like in Ireland, is happening right now. So, like things like kill switches on cars, they 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 always hype it up as like, oh, well, this is for safety, of course. Like we need this safety because. Maybe there's a drunk driver and like, well, you think the, the government's competent enough to like identify a drunk driver and like, uh, you know, shut off their car when they're no. So like, this is about control. Um, they now want to put the, you know, the national, uh, you know, highway safety transportation board um, wants to put a governor on your car so that you can never drive it over a hundred miles an hour. Now, you know, that is a fast speed, but sometimes you, sometimes, you know, you know, in an emergency, if you got to get your someone uh, to the hospital or something, you know, you're, you're, you know, governed, governed. still control, whether it's, it's control. good or not, it's still right. control. Yeah. It's about control. And, and then, so they can turn it off. If you make a bad Facebook post, they got a, they got a meter on your house for your electricity. Maybe they can turn it off and you only get air conditioning an hour a day or, you know, mm-hmm. everything is, is about control, but they can connect your, your, they benef- are doing that by your, the way with the thermostat. Yeah. Your mm-hmm. benefits in life are connected to your behavior. And if you don't modify your behavior to what these oligarchs say, they're going to modify your lifestyle. Is that an accurate way to, to, yeah, to frame yeah, it? Yeah, and it's a def- and it's effect- effectively a de facto credit score, and that's what uh, you know. Spoiler alert: Chapter Ten, the end game is about is the ultimate goal is a Chinese style social credit score, where depending on your compliance with uh, all of the mandates, the ever increasing number of mandates, um, and whether you're a good good subject of uh, the regime. Uh, will that will determine your caste in life, whether you can mm-hmm. have you know fun or whether you're just a worker. It's huge. Okay, so our slogan here at Flyover Conservatives is wake up. So obviously for some people, this might be a big wake up call. So it's wake up, speak up and show up. What are some ways that we as Americans, uh, people of the world, what can we do to make a difference in this situation? Because it sounds overwhelming. It sounds like, oh, my gosh, or, you know, what's going to happen? Do we still can we do something or is it too late? Like vote Republican, that'll fix it. Is is it it that kind of a solution? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sad no, and i am so glad to hear your slogan because that's it it's it's wake up first you got to speak up you've got to tell everybody i mean that's that's perfect i hope i won't use the exact same phrasing but you just made it really easy for me you got to wake up you got to tell everyone you know about this you got to share the information because if you don't speak convincingly if you don't have the facts if you don't have the the, the sources the receipts uh you're not going to get through to your liberal uncle larry 
You're not going to be able to like get your friends to care about this. They're going to be like, oh man, he's, he, this guy's really gone crazy. Um, you got to be able to show them exactly how this is going because that's the first step. And you got to, you know, wake other people up. We, we really do need to, uh, band together. I mean, I think this is actually an international movement and I've been getting a lot of support from like people in Canada and Australia and New Zealand who really saw a lot of this stuff, um, going on with the lockdowns. And there's, there's good signs like, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, the libertarian types who are winning in places where they thought unwinnable and yep. like Netherlands and in Argentina. Um, but, and then, yeah. And then the final thing is showing up. You're right. I mean, that like, that's all of the solutions like to these globalist control schemes are like summed up in a word local Buy everything you can local support your local farmer, find an organization in your community that you can get together and like talk about how to uh, take back your community because you've got to start there. All politics are local. You've got to take back your school boards. And it's, I mean, it's, you really just have to get up and go. Last it's, hard, it's hard. It's harder than it seems, but it really, you really got to do it. But, yeah, that, but, that, but that puts the power into the people. That's actually yeah. something they can We're not do. victims. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is there, a, is there a, a, a billionaire good guy? Is there, is there, a, is there a non, can you, or can you just lump them? Hey, if you're a billionaire, you're on team evil and it's, 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 it's humans against these self-proclaimed elites. Is it like that? Or is there any division in their ranks? Are, are there some like good guy? Yeah, there, there, billionaires? Yeah, there are plenty, there are plenty of, plenty of good billionaires. I mean, there's over 3000 billionaires, um, in the world. And, uh, this is just like 30 of them in this book. Um, so, so there are, there are definitely some, some good guys. Um, and, uh, you know, Elon Musk is in the book, uh, you know, there was some, there was heated debate over whether or not I can I imagine include, include Elon Musk. I wanted him on the cover. Um, but I was told it was too crowded. So, um, <laughs> But but they didn't. They didn't there are no punches pulled on Elon Musk in there. Good. So, Good. I'd know, like I, to I've read that. I've fought him on a number of things, but he certainly has a technocrat streak. And we we go back to the beginning with all of these guys. He, he, so he, he sort of comes across to me like um, like like, like say if if. if so the husband and wife and the wife's like the authoritarian, like hard on the kids all the time. The dad works a lot. The dad kind of comes home. He's kind of like, hey, let's play some catch. And hey, I brought some candy bars home for everybody and this kind of thing. You know, he kind of, hey, I gave you free speech on Twitter. I, I'll take the heat. But at the same time, like, you know, he's the one telling the mom, you need to be harder on these kids. When I'm gone, you need to spank. Yeah. You know, you need to lower the boom. You know, he's the one kind of, he's the he, same when he chips in your head and, and upload your consciousness. And he was married to Grimes and she's like proclaiming all the future of this stuff. So it's, it's he's this mixed, definitely a mixed character. He's kind of part Tony Stark and kind of part just really dark. Yes. Yes. That's exactly right. Well, well said. You've got, you've got a great way. Uh, we should keep, we should keep chatting. You got a he's great the way. king of analogies. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Okay. We're just trying to make sense of this crazy world, man. Okay. So flyover family, go to control So it's C O N T R O L I G A R C H S book dot com. Make sure you get a book. Buy it for some family members, people that have no idea what's going on. This would be a great wake up call. Buy, for buy it them. for the ones you like and you respect. Buy it for the ones you don't like and yeah. disrespect. And uh, say, hey, thank me later. Read this book. <laughs> you know, and then let's talk about it. This is the kind of thing that if you got a coworker and you debate these things and who's who in the zoo, uh, I say this would be a great gift and say, let's both read this. And then let's go to lunch and talk yeah, about so this. I mean, if, if people appreciate facts, they're going to appreciate this book because that's definitely the it, when you, when you follow the money, it's like here's the here's the receipts. So I I, I love it, uh, Shane. We'd love to have you back on the show, man, because I guarantee there's going to be an endless flow of, of of points to talk about that trace back to this book. 
Excellent. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to come back. And it is it really is great. I mean, I, I wrote it to appeal to both sides uh, to, to bridge bridge a divide to wake up people on the left. I mean, to appeal to the Bernie bros, like the billionaires. Um, yeah, there are some bad billionaires here. Let's talk about them. And I've actually gotten like there. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. I got a review from someone who's clearly liberal. It was like blown away. Um, like they, they, it, it changed the way they thought. So it is a good gift for uh, people on the left. I love it. Seamus, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. This is a crazy time to be alive. Well, just in our lifetime, it used to be where you'd hear your grandparents talk about how cheap gas was and stuff. And it was 75 years before, 50 years you yeah. know, before. And so we've seen a lot of changes since Biden took office. $700 more a month. Than what you needed in January of 21 when he took office. You might hear these kind of things and think, oh, that's overwhelming. I can't control the government. I can't control what they're doing. I can't control the spending. But we can take care of ourselves. You want to make sure that you're buying bullion from somebody that you can trust and someone that does not charge you a commission when you go to sell. If there's going to be a commission, have it on the front end, not the back end when it skyrockets. And now you're like, oh my gosh, look at this big, huge commission I got to pay because it's on the back end before I sell it. You can buy an ounce of silver for $23. So this is something everybody can get into. And if silver goes to $50, if it goes to 75, if it goes to 100, all of those profits are yours. And that's happening while the dollar is buying less and less at the actual grocery store. So you can go to flyovergold.com, fill out your information. When you do that, someone from Dr. Kirk's team will get a hold of you to set up a free consultation. It doesn't cost you any money whatsoever. Or to do the same thing, you can just call 720-605-3900. Well, Wesley and I got all in the Christmas spirit after decorating, and we decided to make a naughty and nice list. And Ooh. I have to say, Avery, you're doing quite well. Really? So we're trying to decide who all we're going to buy my pillow stuff for Christmas. You know, if you use promo code FLYOVER, you get up to 66% off when you go to MyPillow.com. That's a great deal. Can't beat it. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Promo code FLYOVER. I'm excited to announce that we're having our biggest Christmas sale ever. You get our brand new six-piece My Towels for only $29.98. Or rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper as low as $99.99. Or how about MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98? There's something for everyone. Duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. Well, I know my pillow products make for the perfect Christmas gifts, so I'm going to extend my money-back guarantee until March 1st, 2024. So go to MyPillow.com now or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get huge discounts on all my pillow products. For example, you get our six-piece towels for only $29.98. Or get your very own MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98. It's our biggest Christmas sale ever. Get all your shopping being done now while quantities last. For more great content, go to flyoverconservatives.com. <laughs>